Welcome to TW Now, where we examine today's news and issues in light of the Bible. I'm Scott Winnell. The concept of the kingdom of God has long been a fixture of Christianity. It's a phrase often used by Jesus Christ and other apostles, including the Apostle Paul. Yet, as prevalent as the term is in modern Christianity, there appears to be confusion about what the kingdom of God is and where it is or where it will be. The Encyclopedia Britannica states the following about the kingdom of God. The phrase occurs frequently in the New Testament, primarily used by Jesus Christ in the first three Gospels. It is generally considered to be the central theme of Jesus' teaching, but widely differing views have been held about Jesus' teaching on the kingdom of God and its relation to the developed view of the church. Why is there so much disagreement about this central Christian tenet? Some say, if you love Jesus, the kingdom of God is within you. Some say the kingdom of God is the church, while others say the kingdom of God is a real place and will even be here on the earth. How would you answer the questions, what and where is the kingdom of God? And more importantly, how does the Bible answer these questions? And how will this kingdom differ from mankind's attempts at peace? Today's two returning guests will lead us to clear biblical answers for these age-old questions. I'd like to welcome back Mr. Dexter Wakefield. Mm -hmm. Mr. Wakefield is a longtime minister and Bible teacher. He's a Tomorrow's World writer who has written many Kingdom of God related articles, including God is Creating a Family. He's spoken on this topic extensively for the last 30 years or so. Mr. Wyatt Soselka, welcome back. It's good to have you with us as well today. Mr. Soselka is joining us <clears throat> via Skype from Raleigh, North Carolina. He's a pastor and former university theology faculty member. He also holds a Master of Arts degree in theological studies from Liberty University. And he's a Tomorrow's World writer who has written and spoken on this topic a great deal as well. So it is wonderful to have you both back on the program today. I'm really looking forward to our discussion, and I know you'll have a lot to add to it. For our audience, because several of us are out of town traveling this week, this program is being pre-recorded. If you do have questions related to the topic, we still encourage you to please feel free to message us and post them. We'll do our best to get back to your questions, but it probably will take us a couple of weeks. We do plan to return live to our live programming next week. Also, we invite you to please subscribe to our YouTube channel and like and share today's program. All right, let's go ahead and get started, gentlemen. I think we need to define a couple of terms <clears throat> briefly as we start. So Mr. Soselka, we'll come to you first. What is a kingdom? We talk about the kingdom of God. What is a kingdom? Right, well, <clears throat> hello, uh, Dr. Scott and Mr. Wayfield. Uh, glad to be on the program. First, I, I will quickly define it, or at least uh, give a quick uh, summary. But um, first, I would just uh, agree that it's, it's a, an important, vital subject. Uh, Jesus Christ told us to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness in Matthew 6, 33. So if that's uh, Christ's instruction to seek it, then what is it? Um, so I think that one way to quickly describe what a kingdom is, is a kingdom is something that exists and must contain four different uh, aspects. Uh, we know that a kingdom must have a king or a ruler. Uh, we know that a kingdom must have uh, laws. Uh, that is how it functions. We know that it must have a territory. Uh, a, you know, a king 
or a ruler <clears throat> with laws but no territory. That's not really a kingdom. And fourthly, it must have subjects. It must have uh, people that are, are subject to those laws, that live within that kingdom. So those are the four components. And whether you look at um, ancient uh, uh, kingdoms on, on the earth, uh, regardless of the type of governmental structure, right, whether it was a, a, a dictatorship or a democracy, you'll find those four components, a, a ruler, subjects, laws, and, of course, a territory. Yeah, and, and why is this important? Well, it's a very big reason why it's important, because Jesus Christ preached the gospel of the kingdom of God. And some people say, well, it's uh, the church, or other people say it's in heaven, or they disagree on what the kingdom of God is. So, uh, which gospel do you believe? Do you believe the true gospel? If the, we have to know what the gospel of the kingdom of God is, we have to answer the question that um, I think Mr. Um, um, uh, Cecilica answered very well. Let me add, uh, if, real quickly, if I can, um, this was um, this topic was expected, understood. Um, the, the 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 Jewish world was excited about this topic, um, and that's evidenced by the fact that very very early in the gospel account of Matthew, uh, when John the Baptist um, sees Jesus Christ, uh, you can you can read in Matthew chapter three and Matthew chapter four, <clears throat> um, John the Baptist. Uh, it mentions the kingdom of heaven, and then and then Jesus Christ mentions the kingdom of heaven to their audience. Um, this was a topic, and I know we're going to get further into the topic, but this was a topic that was literally at the very beginning of the recorded ministry of Jesus Christ, uh, even before uh, he was was baptized, even before he started functioning officially in that ministry, that topic, the kingdom of heaven, or we're also sometimes referred to as the kingdom of God. It's mentioned 86 times in the Gospels alone, uh, kingdom of God. So it, it's, a, it's a topic that we should become very familiar with. You know, you mentioned 86 times. Repetition, we, we, we know the cliche, repetition is the best form of emphasis. And for it to be mentioned 86 times means it must be critically important mm -hmm. to God and to Jesus Christ. Just to, to jump in on that and add a little bit, it's the, it's the kingdom of heaven, not the kingdom in heaven. The, some people say the kingdom is in heaven, but this is God's kingdom on earth. So the gospel of the kingdom of God and the gospel of the kingdom of heaven are both, are both very consistent. But the problem is, if you watch Sunday morning TV, you'll see as many different versions of the gospel as you see preachers. And it's very important that we sort out what that means. Well, I think to do that, <clears throat> we don't want to have a philosophical discussion today. We want to ground our discussion in the Bible, because the Bible is where it all comes from. So what I'd like to do is I'd like to ask you, Mr. Sasselko, you can start off with this. What does the Bible teach us about the kingdom of God? We, <clears throat> we've talked about what a kingdom is, but what does the Bible have to say about the kingdom of God if we're to preach the gospel of the kingdom mm -hmm. of God, as you're saying? Mm -hmm. Right. Well, <clears throat> the, the Bible um, in the Old Testament as well as the New Testament is very full of references to the kingdom of God. Um, and uh, you're right. Let's not get uh, too uh, philosophical at all. And, and, and really, we only can barely scratch the surface on this topic, even from, from a scriptural perspective. But <clears throat> uh, Revelation uh, chapter 5, verse 10 is a, a, a very should be a very well known and it is a very important scripture which 
uh, talks about um, Christ reigning on the earth. Uh, that is a time in the future which is referred to as the millennium. That's just uh, from the Latin uh, meaning thousand-year reign. Now, that is one coming future aspect of the kingdom of God when the kingdom of God and God's rule will be brought to the earth um, and Christ will rule. Um, there's Old Testament scriptures um, that talk about that as well. Um, it, so anyways, um, we, we know that we can become heirs to that kingdom. Um, Christians, uh, true Christian saints can become heirs. Romans 8, 17, James 2, 5 talk about Christians inheriting or becoming heirs uh, to that kingdom. So without going much farther, one aspect of the kingdom to talk about is the fact that, that um, there is a kingdom of heaven in heaven now, but Christ will bring God's government and God's reign to the earth in the future, and that's uh, very clear from a lot of scriptures. And I won't continue much, but that time God's law will, you know, will, will, will pervade the, the entire earth. Okay. We just uh, appreciate the comments. Let me just uh, mention a few of them. Of course, it says in Revelation 5:10, has made us kings and priests to our God, and we shall reign on earth. On earth is refers to the millennium. And in Isaiah 2, 3, and 4, it says, people say, let's go, let us go up to the mountain of the Lord, uh, to the house of the God of Jacob. That's referring to Jerusalem. Out of Zion shall go forth the law. Um, he shall judge between many nations, rebuke many people. Uh, there are numerous scriptures like this. It's talking about a kingdom on earth where the Messiah rules a kingdom on the earth. Zechariah 14, 8, living waters flow from Jerusalem, shall flow from Jerusalem. It says half to the eastern sea, half to the western sea. That's not uh, an allegory. That's talking about something happening geographically. In the future, all nations will go up to Jerusalem to keep the Feast of Tabernacles. Well, is, is that like merely a spiritual thing? Or there are many, many scriptures like that. It's important uh, for the listener to know that when we're talking about the gospel of the kingdom of God, we're talking about that kingdom on earth from Jerusalem. Let me, if I can, let me add, um, I love, uh, we all love the Psalms. And uh, the Psalms are, are, are something I've, you know, enjoyed studying a, a lot. And <clears throat> a lot of our audience may be interested to, to know that a lot of the Psalms are prophetic. And I've just always found it very interesting that Psalm 2, um, our, our audience might want to look at Psalm 2 later. But Psalm 2 um, talks about uh, Jesus Christ coming, uh, <clears throat> that, that the holy hill, that, that, he, that he as king will be set on the holy hill of Zion. And, and this is not uh, allegory or metaphor about um, it being in our heart or, or, or God's kingdom only in, in, in heaven. We know God currently does rule in heaven, obviously. But if you read Psalm 2, it's very clear that the Lord, uh, Jesus Christ, my, God calls him my son. Today I've begotten you in Psalm chapter 2, will return and the nations of the earth will become his possession. And the kings of the earth will rejoice and fear and tremble, and he will rule on the earth. So I just want to reinforce what Mr. Wakefield was saying, that um, 
that you know the kingdom of God uh, coming to the earth. Uh, that that teaching biblically goes back to you know to the Old Testament. It's it's all throughout the Old Testament. Mm-hmm. Let me just clarify quickly, <clears throat> or ask you to help me clarify. So when we're talking about the kingdom of God, certainly God reigns supreme, and he's on his throne right now. But the gospel of the kingdom of God, this concept, is really pushing us forward. Christ wasn't talking about something right then and there necessarily, but he was telling his church to preach this gospel of the kingdom of God about this future coming kingdom on the earth. Is that correct? That's correct. And it's the gospel of peace. Um, it's the kingdom that's going to come on the earth. We're going to have wonderful things happen. We can uh, go through some of those scriptures that we've got here, the description of what it's going to be like um, on earth. And that is indeed good news. Gospel means good news. And the fact that Christ is coming as Messiah to rule on earth with his saints, a kingdom that grows and fills the whole earth like a holy mountain. A holy mountain of God grows to fill the whole earth. They're not talking about something that's an abstraction. They're talking about something that is literally going to happen, and that is good news indeed. That is the good news of the gospel of the kingdom of God. Yeah, so, the uh, you know, Jesus Christ um, used parables, and um, parables are a great topic to discuss uh, at another time, but there's the parable of the minas, and uh, to reinforce what what it's Mr. Wakefield Luke, is, I believe it, it, Luke chapter nineteen, I, I, yeah. Uh, so the parable of the minas is interesting because the parable of the minas was given in response by Jesus Christ to the disciples who were asking if the kingdom would come immediately. Um, I think it's Luke nineteen eleven where they ask if. Uh, oh, I'm not going to look it up right now, but I think it's Luke nineteen eleven. They ask if the kingdom would come, you know, soon or immediately. And Christ gives this parable of the nobleman going into a far country, and uh, he'll return after a delay. So, so the earliest disciples of Christ believed and were asking Jesus Christ. Uh, who who is the Messiah, they were asking him essentially, will you establish your kingdom on this earth, a real government? This is not metaphor, a real government. Are you going to do it, you know, really, really soon in our lifetime? And the parable of the Minas was actually given uh, to teach a few things about, uh, you know, putting forth effort as a Christian and so forth. But it was also in response to to that uh, belief that it was imminent, and Christ was helping them understand it's not imminent. It's going to be in the future. So um, they they saw it as real. Christ it, it, it did not uh, c- uh, correct them and say it's not real. He said no, it's real, but it's going to be after a delay. Mm. Go ahead. Just a, an interesting thing to to pick up on on what you were following up on what you said. Um, I'm reading from. Um, Gibbons, The Defining Claw of the Roman Empire, a lot of footnotes on this, thoroughly researched. Uh, this is volume one. It says, it's about the church. The ancient and popular doctrine of the millennium was intimately connected with the second coming of Christ. And again, the millennium is this thousand year reign of Christ on the earth? That's correct. This thousand year reign of Christ on the earth, which was understood to be exactly that. He said he would reign upon the earth until the time appointed for the last and general resurrection. And he goes on and talks about this, how later on it was thought that for wise purposes this error was permitted to subsist in the church. One guy called it a pious deception. Others say it was allegory and metaphor. In other words, in second, third, fourth centuries, 
things changed. Much changed in what the belief of the first century church had, and it turned into what we call the modern Orthodox Church. And they have a different view of the gospel of the kingdom of God than the first century church did. So the first century church actually preached something quite different than what modern Christianity teaches today about the gospel. It was a physical thing, whereas now almost everything that you read about it has it as an abstraction. I'll just give you our Catholic friends in the Catholic Encyclopedia say the ruling of God in our hearts, principles, the benign sway of grace, the church itself, all abstractions. That's how they express it. I could go into several uh, more here. It's that the concept was of the kingdom of God is not one of space, a territory of politics. I think the Pope called it uh, um, Christ is not a political messiah. It's almost a little contemptuous of the idea that he would reign as a king on earth. But it says one of rather kingly rules, uh, reign and sovereign control. Abstractions. Abstractions. So you, you know, this is, um, this is easy to prove and easy to, with some research, to see these, these older writings. Um, of course, you know, Scripture is God-breathed, and uh, that, you know, Scripture is what we teach and what we believe. Uh, so the following are not um, Scriptures, um, but just to reinforce what Mr. Wakefield is saying, that the earliest uh, church teachers, including after the original apostles, believed in a real uh, physical coming kingdom. Uh, I, I'll reference a, a gentleman named uh, Clement. Clement of Rome died around 97 AD. Now, this is not scripture, but um, uh, there's a book called First Clement and Second Clement, and uh, so this would be written in uh, in the late 90s. And uh, here you have Clement, who's considered a a uh, you know a church uh, f father, um, who well, this said shortly after the apostle John would have died. Then right. I mean, this is this is about as early as you can get uh, post uh, post apostle age, post John John you know the apostle John. And he wrote in First Clement 42, verse 3, that uh, with glad tidings the kingdom of God should come. He wrote in Second Clement 5, 5, the promise of Christ is great and marvelous, even the rest of his kingdom uh, that shall be, and of eternal life. And, and he taught it being on this earth. Just to go on and give one more reference, um, many of our listeners may be familiar or have heard the name of Eusebius. Uh, it's a, uh, it's, it's a spelled E-U-S-U. E-B-I-U-S. Eusebius wrote the first um, very comprehensive history of the church, and I can't remember exactly when he, he lived. I think it was in the 400s, but, but he um, saved a lot of writings from earlier people. One of the people that he saved the writings from in Eusebius's church history was um, <clears throat> a gentleman named Papias, P-A-P-I-A-S. Now, Papias was a student and a friend of Polycarp, and I know I'm giving everybody a lot of names, but Eusebius is a historian. He recorded the writings of many people, including Papias, P-A-P-I-A-S, who was a student and friend of Polycarp. Polycarp was John's disciple. Um, and um, so th this, this would be around uh, the 150 A.D. time. And uh, Papias uh, is recorded as, as talking in the 150 time of the kingdom of God being established on the earth with Christ's return, uh, that there would be a, a, a time of great tribulation that would precede that, and then Christ would establish the government of God on the earth. So my point is, you've got well into the 100, 
3150 AD, where this is being taught. Uh, Tertullian taught the same uh, in the uh, in the late 100s, uh, pushing the 200s. Tertullian taught a literal coming kingdom of God on the earth. So, in conclusion, my point is that today, so many people think the kingdom's in your heart or it's allegory. That is not what the apostles taught, and that is not what the church or even the the, the second generation of the original church, uh, regardless of whether or not they were perfect in every doctrine, that's not what they taught. They thought it, taught it would be real, and they taught that well into the 200s. Yeah. Uh, everything that you're saying about that is spot on, and when you read these old early church fathers from back then, you want to know what it sounds like? Our booklets. Mm-hmm. You could the, the same beliefs, the same doctrines. We we read these things, and we then open up our the booklets where we are showing what we teach about these. What is the kingdom of God, Christ coming, and all of these things that are going to happen? The millennial rule of Christ on earth that grows to fill the whole earth. That's uh, what we teach. Uh, perhaps you've got a booklet there that we can um, show to people. There are a number of these things that you can get free if you want to read about it. That's and, the world ahead. What will it be like? Mm -hmm. Uh, that goes into many of these subjects. Just go to uh, tomorrowsworld.org and look at the booklets and a lot of things you can read about this in great detail. Well, yeah, Dr. Scott, let me, uh, this is exciting. Um, <clears throat> so, uh, in the booklets, Mr. Wakefield's mentioning, um, we will mention a few things um, uh, that, that the church teaches that are true and that are biblical about the kingdom. Uh, for example, a thousand years, a literal thousand years. So remember remember these points, a thousand years, we'll mention that, that, er, that we'll teach that. A reign of Christ on the earth for a thousand years. We'll even, we'll talk about the resurrection, that the, that the, that people will be changed, the saints will be changed, that's another point. We'll talk about a, um, a great white throne judgment after the thousand years, when all who ever lived will have a chance to, uh, you know, to, to have, to, will have a chance that God will, will open their, their eyes. Which I just what actually Gibbon, he, his Gibbon quote just a minute ago mentioned mm -hmm. that resurrection. Right. He called it the general resurrection. And by the way, Gibbons goes into a lot more detail than what I read about. I mean, it's, he almost sounds like some of our booklets, but he's critical of it. So, well, he is critical, but so, okay, so those three points, Tertullian mentions those three points in a book he wrote around 210 AD called Against Marcion, and this is book three, chapter 25, and I won't read the whole thing, but he mentioned, he says, and this is in the, the, the 220s, Tertullian writes, of the heavenly kingdom, this is the process, after its thousand years are over, which period is completed, the resurrection of the saints, so there you have the thousand years, there you have the resurrection. He says, after that, there will be a great conflagration, which means a great burning of all things and the judgment. And there will be a, there will be a judgment. So right there, we don't uh, believe that Tertullian understood everything perfectly. But this is, this is 1,800 years ago, right? This is 200 years AD. This is 150, 170 years after Christ's death. Um, you've got really uh, the truth being taught that the kingdom is literal, a thousand, the millennium is, is a literal thousand year reign, and so forth. Well, and it's interesting, why is, why is it the truth being taught? Well, if they're basing their teachings on the Bible itself, 
then that's the truth they're going to come up with. I'd like to <clears throat> just make a comment to our audience. We, we do really appreciate you joining us today for this discussion about the kingdom of God in the gospel of the kingdom of God. We know that some of what we're saying is not what you're used to hearing about this topic. We, but we do challenge you to, to take a look at the scripture. Prove us on this. Don't believe what we're saying. Go to your Bible. Prove us on this. You're going to have a couple of questions, and I think we know what some of those questions are. In fact, I think we need to address some of your questions. So, gentlemen, what I'd like to do, Mr. Wakefield, let's come to you first. John 18.36 talks about... Christ actually made the comment, my kingdom is not of this world. Mm -hmm. Now we're making a case in the last 10 or 15 minutes for God's kingdom, Christ's kingdom coming to the earth. What was Christ talking about? Is, are we preaching against Jesus Christ when he said, my kingdom is not of this world? Well, he, he answered his own question. He said, my, my kingdom is not of this, of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, my servants would fight so that I should not be delivered to the Jews, but now my kingdom is not from here. The answer is now, at that particular time, it is not from here. Where they were standing was Jerusalem. In the future it will be. But he was not saying that he came to overthrow the Roman Empire. And I don't think uh, Pilate understood that quite well. Yeah, I mean, Jesus Christ also uh, made a very clear statement uh, in John 14, verse 30, that it is Satan this is according to Jesus Christ himself, his own words. He says, listen, Satan is currently the ruler, the prince of this world. Um, he did not say that Satan will remain the prince of the world forever. Uh, the gospel of the coming kingdom of God is just that. It's a gospel of a coming kingdom of God where Satan will be displaced and overthrown. But um, yeah, people who say, well, uh, you know, the kingdom is established um, on the earth already, or the kingdom's in the church. Um, Jesus Christ's own words contradict that and says, listen, you know, Satan is currently the, the ruler of this world. That's John 14, verse 30. So this master that you're talking about, the parable of Minas, this master is going away, but he will return with his kingdom at some point. Well, right. It says he's going to, re he's going to return and receive his kingdom in Luke chapter 19. Right. Okay. So he's going to return, and in 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 he 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 is a, you know, the master is Jesus Christ, and uh, there's no contest between him and and Satan. There's no contest. Well, when he's when Christ at, at God's time, when he's ready to send Christ, Christ will return, and Satan will be displaced. And who's going? Who's he going to receive this kingdom from? Well, it's it's a great question because it's the kingdom of God. Um, God reigns supreme. So, um, so it, all, all power is is God the Father's. God is supreme. Um, God has allowed Satan to rule temporarily over the earth. Okay. Mm -hmm. Just to, to add to that, God has his throne in heaven. We're told that. But he also said that Christ's throne is the throne of David, which he will come and take. He will sit on the throne of David, which is his throne. And that is on earth. Okay. Let me ask you another question, uh, because I know our audience, many of them have this burning within them as well. Luke 17, 21. And uh, Mr. Wakefield, we'll start with you if, if you would like. The kingdom of God, Christ makes the observation, the kingdom of God is within you. Mm -hmm. uh, that is one of the prevalent teachings that we see today. 
was Christ wrong? Are we saying that Christ was wrong? Well, uh, I'm saying that the uh, King James and New King James translators were, were wrong about that. If you look at the more modern translations, like the New American Standard, when you say it's in your midst, the kingdom of God is within, well, it's within your group. They say the kingdom of God is in your midst, Revised Standard Version and others, in the midst of you. He was referring to himself. He was saying that the king was there. He's standing with, within your group, in your midst at that time. That's what that the king scripture of the means. Kingdom. Yes, the king was there is what he was saying. Do you have anything you want to add to that, Mr. Selka? Uh, no, I, it's, it's as simple as that. It's, it's a poor translation. Um, as Mr. Wakefield said, most modern translations um, say that, you know, uh, render it as the kingdom of God, I'm sorry, as the kingdom is, is um, among you or, or in the midst of you, referring to him as that coming king, the, the one who, who, who will be the, the king of that kingdom. Uh, he was referring to himself. Not, 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 not to, the fact that it's literally inside our bodies. <clears throat> not to the fact that it's inside of, of, of our bodies, correct. Okay. Other scriptures that you can think of that tell us more about this kingdom of God on the earth, this gospel that Jesus Christ taught about, because uh, when we think about the gospel accounts, did I guess I could ask you this question. Did Christ teach about himself? in the gospel accounts when he was preaching about the kingdom of God, this gospel of the kingdom of God? Mm -hmm. Well, of course, he is the king, uh, but he will have uh, a kingdom, he will have subjects, uh, he will have territory, he will have laws that go out from it. It says here in, um, let's see, which one? Um, Micah 4, 2, for out of Zion shall go forth the law, the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. So God's law is going to go out. He's going to spread this throughout the whole world. It's not just about the person of Christ. It is literally a kingdom that's going to fill the earth. Uh, uh, unfortunately, many people do not believe that, and they turn it into abstractions. Well, he's sovereign, he's love, he's in your heart, he's uniting the world one heart at a time. Maybe it's up in heaven. Um, it's anything but what he, the good news that he announced it was going to be. You said that the kingdom of God is not just about the person of Christ, it's about this, this coming kingdom. So is, what relevance does Christ have then? Is, is he not important in this kingdom? Or is, or is he important? <laughs> well, the king is important, and of course, um, what is extremely important to each of us personally is this king came early, he died for our sins, so that we can be resurrected to immortality and be kings and priests in that kingdom. He makes it possible for us, the fact that he did that for us. So it's something that we will be eternally grateful for, mm -hmm. but it's because of his death and resurrection that makes it possible for us to also be resurrected to eternal life. Okay. Mr. Uh, just, just to touch on what Christ's function will be as the coming king of that kingdom, uh, Isaiah chapter 11 is that beautiful uh, chapter that talks about the wolf uh, and the lamb and the leopard um, and the young goat, um, you know, dwelling together and the cow and the bear will graze together and so forth. There's a lot of beautiful imagery there. <clears throat> but So um, even the nature of animals being changed? Right. And so that passage um, is also very literal and it talks about Christ. Um, uh, who, who, who is referred to as a rod um, there, that he will come back in, with strength. 
um, that he will judge, I'm just paraphrasing, you know, but he will judge the nations uh, with righteousness. He'll judge the poor. He'll judge the meek. Um, but he'll also strike the earth with a rod of iron. I mean, he's going to come back in power. Um, this is um, overlooked or ignored or just um, uh, very wrongly ignored by by just so many uh, you know, preachers out there who, who, who try to say, well, the kingdom is, is, is now. Uh, that is ludicrous. The kingdom is not on the earth now. Um, do we have um, nature that's at peace now? Do we have um, God's law and peace uh, around the earth, uh, it, you know, now? Well, clearly we don't. So you read um, Isaiah chapter 11, and uh, Dr. Scott, back to your question, uh, what is, one of, aspect of your question, what's Christ's function? Uh, it says in Isaiah 11 verse 9 that, that, that they will no longer hurt nor destroy in my holy mountain, for all the earth shall be fall, full of the knowledge of the eternal as the waters cover the sea. Um, in the kingdom of God, when it's established on the earth, uh, there will be a time of of amazing peace where there will no longer be conflict and 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 hurt. Now, at the beginning of the kingdom, uh, at the beginning of the millennium, there's you know not everybody will immediately uh, you know behave, but without getting too deep in all that, uh, the knowledge of the Lord will cover the earth and people will learn to live at peace. Uh, obviously, that's not the case now. Okay, yeah, that's a good point. We're we're far from that vision that Isaiah was showing, Mr. Wakefield. Looks like you're ready to go somewhere. I was actually going to ask a question, and we've, we started to touch on this. Where did the confusion come from? Uh, why, why does modern Christianity not teach what we're talking about, which are very clear scriptures in the Word of God? Well, uh, this problem apparently existed in the first century church. I was just looking up. Uh, Galatians chapter 1 and verse 6. He says, I marvel that you are so soon removed from him that called you unto the grace of Christ unto another gospel. People were already getting off into other versions of the gospel. They decided other things about it. I think people simply don't want to believe what he said, what the prophet said. They, uh, they don't want to believe that Christ is coming to have a physical kingdom on earth. They want to say, well, things will go on forever as they are now, and Christ is in our hearts somewhere, or we'll die and go to heaven somewhere. Uh, but they don't want to believe the gospel. They have another gospel that they believe. Mm. Um, you know, the Apostle Paul, just as a very quick little history reminder, the Apostle Paul was very clear in 1 Corinthians 15, verse 50, that, that, that mortal people, flesh and blood, cannot <clears throat> inherit the kingdom of God. So, so human beings cannot uh, enter into the, the kingdom of God, uh, 1 Corinthians 15, 50. Um, uh, Peter says the same thing uh, in 2 Peter 1, 11, that, um, that he prayed, and, and he was talking to Christians. Peter was talking to the saints. This was to the church. And he essentially said, you know, you've got to remain faithful and hope that an entrance will be supplied abundantly for you into the everlasting kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So Peter and Paul and Christ and all the apostles understood that the kingdom was a future, you know, real future coming time. Again, uh, early church, you know, leaders like Justin Martyr and Irenaeus and Tertullian and others uh, continued to teach the same thing. 
without getting too much into the history, when Constantine um, hijacked Christianity and, and corrupted it and so forth, um, you then had some others like, now, Origen came before Constantine, but you had also uh, St. Augustine, uh, who came after Constantine. So around the 300s and 400s, when the Roman Empire hijacked Christianity, and all of a sudden Christianity became the state religion, and it was very corrupted at that time, extremely corrupted. Um, what happened then is that uh, the church leaders, and these were corrupt leaders at that time, started saying, well, hey, we're not looking for Christ to return and establish the kingdom on the earth. Uh, the kingdom's already here. Mm. You know, the Roman Empire is the kingdom. The Roman emperor is the head of the kingdom. And He's the uh, one that's bringing peace to the world. Right. And which, you know, uh, so so it's interesting. Um, uh, Constantine, um, uh, I'm sorry, uh, St. Augustine. Augustine uh, originally taught that the kingdom would be a future thousand year, uh, that there'd be a future thousand year millennial rule. Uh, Augustine originally taught that, but under pressure from the Roman government, he changed uh, his teaching and, and said it was all allegory. So honestly, what I think our audience should think about is it was the Roman government and the Roman emperors uh, who hijacked Christianity, uh, and this is around uh, the 300s, and uh, so that's why today so many preachers think it's all allegory. Okay. Thank you for your feedback and for your insights, gentlemen. We are running out of time, so we need to bring this conversation to an end for now. What I would like to ask you, though, as we, as we wind down here is, is there a thought or an idea or a concept that you would like our audience to take away from the conversation that we've had today? Mr. Soselka, can I come to you first? Sure. Um, I'll just make it brief and just say that, um, you know, many scriptures tell us that there's a future uh, reign or rule of Jesus Christ on the earth. We've, we've touched on some of those today. Um, uh, Revelation 11, 15 is another one that people could, could look up. And uh, my question, um, I guess I'll circle back to the, uh, the, the parable of the talents and the cities. Uh, that Jesus Christ gave himself in Luke 19, uh, in Luke 19, verses 17, 18, 19. My question and, and my concluding thought would be, the Bible says that this is going to happen, that Christ will return and establish his government uh, based on God's laws, a time of peace and, 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 and blessings on the earth. And Christ said in Luke 19 that the resurrected saints, those who follow him, who will, who believe what he said, the resurrected saints would be used in, in, in leadership positions to, to rule and to serve and to reign and to teach in that coming kingdom. Uh, my concluding question is, do you believe it? And, and is that what your church teaches? Because that's, that's core to the gospel of the kingdom of God. That's what Jesus Christ himself taught. And it's exciting, and um, it's the truth. Okay. Mm. Mr. Rayfield. Well, uh, basically just to summarize some of the things we've said, uh, the Bible itself describes the kingdom of God as a physical kingdom, a physical thing with Christ ruling from Jerusalem. It grows to fill the whole earth and the first century church agreed with that. That's what they taught. And I don't think that's particularly controversial that that's what the early church believed. But Orthodox Christianity today usually describes it as an abstraction because they don't believe in the actual physical kingdom. Um, maybe Jesus is ruling in their lives, maybe now, maybe in the future, um, perhaps up in heaven. 
um, they usually reject the kingdom of God as some sort of allegory. They don't believe the gospel of the first century. Well, here's a question. What if they're wrong? What if they're wrong and there actually is a kingdom of God on earth? And that is the good news of the kingdom of God as it was taught by Jesus Christ and promised by, um, uh, by the um, apostles and, of course, the prophets as well. Um, don't go to another gospel. We're trying to teach them the gospel of the first century. And my question is, as Mr. Sasilka said, which gospel do you believe? Mm. Gentlemen, thank you for being here today. Mr. Sasilka, thank you for joining us from Raleigh. It's good to see you again. Thank you. I miss having you around here in Charlotte. Mr. Wakefield, thank you so much for being here today and for your time. Well, I hope you've enjoyed our conversation today. I'm guessing you might have found it a bit stimulating. You know, the kingdom of God is a powerful biblical concept, as you know, and as we've been talking about, and it's one that many calling themselves Christians value greatly. Yet it's also a concept many misunderstand. Yes, Jesus Christ is absolutely the king of this kingdom, but his kingdom is far more than an idea that exists in the hearts of those who give their hearts to him. God's kingdom certainly does exist at God's throne in heaven at this time, but his kingdom in government will expand to literally be governed from his throne on the earth one day, and Christ will sit on that throne and it will reign over the earth and the peoples of the earth, as we've discussed today. God's kingdom is real, and it will be everlasting. It will be undergirded, as we've talked about, by the Ten Commandments, which bring unprecedented peace and prosperity to all. For more insight into the topic of the kingdom of God, we do invite you to visit our website at tomorrowsworld.org. And in fact, instead of giving you literature today, what we'd encourage you to do is go to tomorrowsworld.org, type in the phrase kingdom of God, and you might be surprised at the number of articles and videos you find. There's lots of information on this topic for you. Again, don't believe what we say, but use your Bible to prove what we say or to try and disprove what we say. The kingdom of God is real and it is coming and you can be a part of it. That's the exciting truth. For more biblical insights into today's news and pressing issues, be sure to join us each week on TW Now. Next week, we plan to address the coming leader of Europe, Germany, and what the Bible has to say about this nation's future and its role in world affairs. Again, we invite you to subscribe to our YouTube channel, like or share today's program, and we'll look forward to seeing you again next week on TW Now.